And a very good evening to you this um, this Monday afternoon, where you are listening to Global Digest on 98.4 Capital FM. Um, and a warm welcome from the Global Digest panel, of course, of comprising of myself, Lebanon Ambisi, Irene Mwangi, and of course, uh, Davis Ayaga. Um, today we are going to be talking about issues that have more or less been affecting Kenya, um, from the housing levy to the decisions that are being made um, across board. And also, we'll also be looking at the, the, the what do you call them, um, the U.S. elections, um, <laughs> the competition between uh, former, President Trump, former President Trump and, of course, the, current, the incumbent Joe Biden. We'll be looking at their chances and probably... What um, do they need to do so that they can ensure they win or the other side loses? And of course, uh, lady and gentlemen, maybe you'd like to put in a word. It's good to be back for another show where we get to digest some of these issues that you've mentioned to our dear listener. And we certainly do hope that we'll keep you informed during the discussion and we'll digest on some of the issues that uh, Laban one MBC has highlighted as we get into the show. All right, mine is to hope that the show will be interactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, debunk some of the political sentiments that have been said across the country that have built um, the momentum of political issues here in the country. Okay, and with that, that's where we will start from, um, trying to debunk some of the things. And one of the questions that people have been asking is who exactly is advising um, the president? In the sense that over in the, in the last week, we saw the attorney general, Justin Muturi, appearing before a parliamentary committee where he more or less said that he had a few misgivings in how the housing... The, the, the affordable housing project is being done. Irene, you covered that um, parliamentary committee. Maybe you can give us um, an insight of exactly what um, transpired. All right. So when um, the Attorney General Justin Muturi appeared before the joint committee that was considering uh, public participation of the affordable housing bill, um, one of the issues that came out is that when the House was passing the finance bill 2023, um, looking into adding the housing levy, then a lot of um, issues were bypassed in terms of the legal framework to the extent that, yes, the government was uh, planning the affordable housing project, but to a great extent, given that they were not clear whether it will be a housing fund, a housing tax, a housing levy, or what have you, what are the um, criteria that will be used um, when considering um, this particular flagship project by the President William Bruto's administration. So looking into the bill itself, um, the affordable housing bill, and what um, the AG had to say is that the way the bill was um, drafted by the sponsor, in this case the majority leader, Kimani Shungwa, still there were some legal loopholes, Mm -hmm. even as they wanted to adhere to what the court had to say. So the bill considered what the court had to say in terms of the legal framework, but some issues were still glaring in terms of, okay, um, housing is a function that is both um, done by the 
national government as well as the county government. Mm-hmm. So if Kenyans are being deducted and the money is going to the national government and the national government will be um, the one supervising this particular uh, affordable housing project, then where does the county come in? Again, if we are using parcels of land, they, they are parcels of, of land uh, owned by the national government mm-hmm. and the county government. How will this cut across? If they want to use county land, which will be the procedure? How will the counties come in? Because the sponsor of the bill has said the bill will go through the National Assembly. It has nothing to do with the Senate. Mm-hmm. Yet, the issues uh, concerning land touch on counties. So how can Senate not be involved in this particular project? Does it mean that this thing will be quashed by the court again? So that was a discussion that the AG was bringing up front. You know, Irene, when you, when you submitted the story, the thing that came to my mind was it was interesting that it, it is uh, J.B. Muturi who is raising that issue. Because when J.B. Muturi, in his first tenure as the Speaker of the National Assembly, he was actually not um, that welcoming to the idea of the Senate having a, having a bite at the cherry. But in this case, he's more than willing that this bill should be taken to the Senate. Um, I don't know what, what caused the change of heart, but anyway. I think, I think in the wake of the unfavorable rulings that the regime has been getting from the side of the court, I think... Eji Muturi, for a larger extent during this period, has been badly exposed because to answer your question, you had asked who is to blame for Ruto's mishandling of some of these projects. And I think Eji Muturi is one of the top legal advisors of the government and it is his responsibility to advise the sitting regime on how some of these issues can be handled. So I think on the housing levy, he needed to come out clearly and tell members of parliament that in fact, yes, mostly he was responding to some of the issues that the court had raised. Because you remember when the court uh, said that the whole idea of the affordable housing and the contribution of the levy towards it is illegal, the court cited some of the issues including discrimination, uh, poor legal framework, uh, among other issues. So during that sitting that Irene attended, these are some of the issues that A.G. Muturi pinpointed and clearly advised the members of parliament that they need to handle these issues properly. The issue of ensuring that the Senate is brought on board, I think it's one of the issues that is was very salient during that discussion because if Senate is not involved, then there's a higher possibility than the courts will also give a ruling to to render this ongoing process mm-hmm. of of trying to the, the the of the affordable housing bill 2023 or 24 so there's a higher possibility mm-hmm. that if the mem- the MPs do not consider the input of the Senate then this will be an exercise in futility at the end of it all but, but it, i think okay. it it begs the question whether the Attorney General was involved in this particular process. Mm-hmm. Leave alone the Finance Bill um, 2020, which is now an act, the Finance Act 2023. Now, when you look at the Affordable Housing Bill, for the AG to come and say that um, counties also need to be involved in this process, that is the Senate, yet the sponsor of the bill um, is talking about this bill is a National Assembly affair. It shows that there seems to be a dysfunction between um, the Office of the Attorney General as well as the office of the president and also uh, uh, parliament uh, as a legislative arm of government. Because if at all the AG was involved in the process, 
then some of the issues he raised before um, the committee which are pertinent, he should have raised them way before at the draft process of this particular bill. Ideally, the AG should be the one who, um, to use the English saying, dots the I's and crosses the T's. But in this case, it looks more like he never even got the, the opportunity to see this document. It's the lack of coordination completely from mm-hmm. the side of the Kenya Kwanzaa members of parliament because what wait, wait, wh- before he gets to, to the members of parliament, the, the cabinet must approve it. Exactly. So it, it came from the Ministry of Housing, came to cabinet, cabinet gave it a nod, assuming or for some strange reason the AG or someone from the AG's office did not see this document and did did not see the problematic areas then it was pushed uh, it was pushed forward to majority leader to to to, to basically um, ensure that it passes in parliament I, I think in the initial stages there was that rush from the regime to have this bill passed to have Kenyans starting to contribute this uh, 1.5% housing levy so i think from there was a disconnect in the initial stages of the introduction of the bill to the cabinet and its transition to parliament, I think there, therein there was a problem because AG clearly, like you've mentioned, and Irene has agreed to this, the AG either by default or by design, he decided not to have his input included in the in the, in the processing of the bill. But I think this time around, mm-hmm. uh, on the backdrop of the court ruling that halted the implementation of the housing levy mm-hmm. and the implementation of the construction of the houses uh, uh, and uh, uh, subjecting it to Kenyans contributing the levy, I think the government is now trying as much as possible to ensure that going forward there there is proper legal framework that the courts will have no grounds at all to hold further uh, implementation of this bill and that entirely means Kenyans contributing 1.5% that the issue I'm not sure about because there has been public participation has been going on for a, is it two months now or one month? It's yeah, technically uh, one month. Yeah. The, the the issue is will the one point five percent levy be reduced? Because during the public participation stage, Kenyans from stakeholders, different stakeholders mm-hmm. raised concerns about the percentage of that levy. So will the house really consider reducing the percentage when they resume business tomorrow mm-hmm. so one of the one of the issues that both of you are raising uh, raising is number 1 the role of the ag in the legislation process um and the role of the ag as it uh, is a, as it applies to whether he can advise government or advise presidency now i'd like to take you back to what um gidumugai um when he was the, f- the attorney general, I think told Parliament and told the Supreme Court, he said, "I am only, I am, I am not the lawyer for the country. I'm the lawyer for the government, um, the, the government in, in 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 power at that time, and the role of a lawyer is not to do what he thinks is right, is to take instructions from his his client, and in this case, the client is government. Now." Is it a case of uh, the what do you call him? The speaker was being sidelined, or someone just decided I don't I don't the AG to have a, or the person from the AG's office who went through the document was not um, was not equi- is 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 not capable of handling such a task. 
Um, the question that um, really came out from the opposition MPs sitting in that particular committee, they questioned the Attorney General um, in that when the housing levy was passing in the Finance Act um, 2023, yeah. did he not see um, the red flags that indeed we have no legal framework for the actualization of the housing levy fund um, and by extent the affordable housing project. So they will question, did he miss it at that particular process to the extent that now the matter is being forwarded um, to the courts, they have quashed um, that particular deduction and now they have to formulate another bill to give the, affo the affordable housing project a legal framework. Mm -hmm. Two, that the bill that is now um, in public participation, although the, pu the public participation uh, stage has concluded, it's now, the committee is now on the reporting stage to submit the report um, this week um, to the National Assembly, mm -hmm. is that the legal loopholes that are being raised in terms of if there will be a war between um, the national government and the county government, as well as how will the bill take care um, of the concern that the people who are being deducted are people in the formal sector who is looking into the mamambogas and the carpenters and the tailors who will not be deducted in this particular um, housing levy but they will be deemed as people who will get these particular houses yet they are not part of that contribution. How will that work out? How will they f uh, create... Um, some formal way of looking into the inf informal sector. Mm -hmm. So they will question why the bill still has legal loopholes, if at all the AG was involved from the initial process. So it goes to show that indeed there seems to be no coordination, one, or two, the AG is missing it in terms of advising um, the government entities when it comes to legal matters. It's one or the other. Either they don't listen to him or two, He's not aware of what should be going uh, on I mean, in I these just, issues. I, I just, I just uh, recounted what the, the former AG said. I, the role of a lawyer is, is to advise. If the client doesn't take his, uh, his opinion, they will suffer the consequences in the, in, the in the days to come. And in this case, it's not only the AG who's raised issues. Even the, the Parliamentary Budget Office, that issue of who will benefit mm -hmm. from these houses mm -hmm. and, what is, and what are the criteria to ensure that everyone benefits. Um, also, um, there was another agency that also raised... National Land Commission. Yes, also mm -hmm. raised issues. The Council of Governors also raised issues. Same, same issue, same, same thing. Mm -hmm. But it's not only housing levy. We've seen it um, with the with the, um, the reforms in the healthcare system, and recently the president and the Ministry of Education came up with an ingenious idea that all um, all public schools school um, should have their school fees paid through the triple two triple two. Again, that issue was taken to court, and the court said, uh, "Hold it." this thing is not done right. I think the AG being the principal legal advice of any regime, I think it is his responsibility, his or her responsibility to ensure that he gives proper legal counsel to the regime because there's a time even the court to SG, Francis Atwoli, also raised concerns that there are certain people in government who are either not doing their job 
or misadvising the president. So I think it's upon it's it's incumbent upon the president now to decide going forward on who to rely exactly when it comes to giving advice because he's being badly exposed by the courts when it comes to these matters because the e-citizen issue you mentioned really but Davis, stakeholders are saying they were never consulted. Yeah, Davis, the only thing it that appears keeps coming up is, I think you are, you even last time when we had a, a conversation around how effective or ineffective government is, uh, when we had uh, Benjin Dolo here, one of the things is you kept blaming the deputy president, but but all the fingers, all the indicators showed you where where who is to blame in this instance the person to blame has always come out and said this thing will happen whether the court say i should not do it or not that is through the president he's the one who says this thing will happen how do you tell your boss that whatever you are doing is wrong is and, and not is not in the right path and also it's a, it's a, it's a catch 22 situation because the ag cannot come out to say i told my boss to Mm-hmm. follow this uh, procedure but he said no that's on him uh, he he's he finds himself I- in a not a weird situation in a tight situation sort of because sometimes he'll see glaring mistakes he called them out but maybe the person in question who has who who's who whose back stops with him has not you know come out to to follow the advice given by by the ag so i i think we, we cannot really say that AG is misadvising the government because we, d- we have not seen the other side to to show that indeed he advised and they decided to ignore the advice. Then I think to save his face and character, he needs to come out and say, I advised the president to do one, two, and three, but uh, he decided All to do otherwise. Uh, yeah. Irene, you're at the sitting. Was that question ever posed to the AG? Actually, um, the Kenya Kwanza MPs, surprisingly, <laughs> they will question him to say, where were you when we undergone the process of passing the finance um, bill 2023 mm-hmm. to the point it became an act and you did not raise the glaring mistakes. But what the AG had to answer is that the process of lawmaking belongs to members of parliament, not the executive, not the judiciary. So if members of parliament have seen a legal loophole, they should go ahead and try to fix these particular gaps in the law. Mm-hmm. He was trying to say, it's not really up to me. It's up to you MPs to see where there are legal loopholes because the process of making laws uh, is the mandate of the legislative arm of government. So for him, it was like, don't point the accusing finger fingers at me. You are the guy supposed to fix these particular gaps because even if I advise, I am not the person to make these laws. Mm-hmm. I think I liked the I like I liked um, <laughs> Honorable Justin Muturi as a speaker more than um, as an AG. At least we as when he was the speaker, he had um, some he had grounds to stand on, and he would actually show the power of a seat. Now in this case, even to the extent that people were actually asking, has has he thrown in the towel? And if you hear what Irene is saying in regards to his presentation, it almost sounds like he had he he's almost throwing in the towel. But one of the things that is coming up in the ne- in the next um in the next week or so should be a cabinet retreat, a cabinet retreat where every every uh, member of the cabinet has been advised to prepare a comprehensive report 
of what they have done in the last one year. And it will be used as, as a marking scheme. Some people have argued, and the last time that a cabinet retreat of that nature was heard, Davis uh, said that the, a few heads might, might roll. I don't know. In this instance, what? <laughs> how are you calling it? I think at this rate, uh, some people need to be accountable. The president needs some answers. The president needs to act. And uh, when this retreat uh, is due to come, I think uh, some cabinet secretaries, unfortunately, will be let go because at this rate, the government is, is, is being subjected to unfavorable rulings from the courts. And it appears the regime is getting to be more, more and more unpopular each passing day. The president needs to act. He needs to show the electorate and the citizenry that is in charge. And he needs to take away the blame to push the blame from him and place it to other individuals who, in this case, are members of his cabinet, the CASs, who clearly appear to be failing him in one way or another. And uh, some other government officials, including the AG here in this case. I, I, Back I, to the I am I am usually <laughs> never... Uh, this is like in football, when the team is playing badly and then we all blame the coach. Yeah, but there is a time when the team is playing very well, but the coach is the problem. Like, he's just not in sync with the team. Yeah, now in this case, and I remember Davis when we had a similar conversation, um, I think in season two of Global Digest, one of the things that you brought out was there, there is a sense of micromanaging some of these ministries. And when someone says you're not performing your role, it's probably because you constantly have a huge shadow behind you and whatever you try to do, whatever button you try to punch in, someone or has already called it or someone is, 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 is basically distracting you. In this case, you said the CSS needs to be held accountable. But the biggest question is, in, in this review, who's holding the president accountable? I think I think at some point the president needs to be told the truth from his uh, cabinet secretaries and officials that you need to give us space and time for us to work so that we can be able to deliver on some of the promises you give to Kenyans because for instance in this housing debate the housing CS has never been really vocal about its implementation and how beneficial it will be to Kenyans. We're only seeing this coming from a section of members of parliament who are staunch supporters of the president and the president himself who always keeps on speaking about it, mm -hmm. that it, the project is good because it will go, it, it will help in employing the unemployed youth in the country. So we need to see the people who are responsible in the implementation of this project be vocal about it. For instance, Susan Ahumincha, Lately, he's, she's been very vocal about the Social Health Insurance Fund. Mm -hmm. We need to see more of the same from the housing CS, of which Kenyans are not seeing. So, really, these are some of the questions the president should be asking some of these individuals. As much as, yes, I'm the president, I need to see you on the ground. I need to see you sell this idea to Kenyans that the housing agenda is good because of one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. Irene? I think... Um um, the exercise that will be in terms of them giving a one-year rep uh, report on what the cabinet secretaries have done and what they've implemented, overseeing um, some of um, critical government projects. 
is more of a peer exercise or a traditional exercise because I can guarantee that no one will go home because they have failed to deliver in their docket. Um, some of these um, cabinet positions are all political, not offered because of merit. And to that extent, we have seen glaring um, mistakes by some cabinet secretaries, including the Energy CS, uh, David Chirchir, as well as the Transport Cabinet Secretary, Kipchumba Murkomen. But the, the, the president will not um, do any particular action in terms of, um, 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 what do we say, swapping these particular cabinet secretaries. Mm -hmm. They have continued to work as is, um, ignoring the fact that they have failed Kenyans in some of their dockets. So the one-year um, report will be more of a um, PR exercise, a traditional exercise uh, being done by the cabinet. But if there's a reshuffle that will come up, not because of the report, but maybe because of some political issues and external influ influences that will affect the President William Ruto's administration. Okay, and on that note, we take a short break. It is now 7 o'clock. We'll be back after this short break. Thank you. And welcome back to Global Digest with myself, Lebanon Ambisi, Irene Mwangi, and um, Davis Sayaga. We are going on, uh, moving on to the next topic, which is we're looking at, is it possible that the Azimio um, house is falling apart? And one of the questions that I think when we were having this conversation is, is it possible to isolate um, ODM leader Raila Odinga? Because one of the conversations that has been going on is... Um, is there a plot to basically prop up Kalonzo Musioka as the Azimio, um, the Azimio presidential candidate in 2027? Davis. So that is the Azimio leader, Raila Odinga, who over the weekend appeared to endorse Wiper leader Kalonzo Mutsioka for the 2027 presidential election. And uh, in order appeared as the endorsement, it came because there have been rumors and simmering tensions within the Azimio coalitions mm -hmm. that it's falling apart because we've seen Wiper leader Kalonzo Musioka, who has declared he will vie for presidency in 2027. And then on the other side, we also have seen the DAP Kenya party leader, Eugene Wamalwa, who says he's strongly in the race. So, and Raila Odinga also has not publicly declared that he's, he's set to retire from active politics. So, his remarks over the weekend appear to have calmed the nerves of some Azimio supporters who are really concerned about the future of the coalition because 
A section of leaders already have said this time around we want you Raila Odinga to endorse Kalonzo Musyoka. So I think it will be upon Kalonzo Musyoka to decide really whether he wants it because like they say in politics uh, leadership is not given it mm-hmm. is taken. So but, it is up to Kalonzo really to to show his hand no yes. like he honestly has to come out and really galvanize support around exactly. himself first before he is crowned as the uh, the party or the coalition um presidential candidate Irene you're itching to answer go no, 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 not really <laughs> <laughs> not not really um i think what odinga said over the weekend because he's the smart politician that he is yeah he has realized that um the tension concerning who will be the next uh, presidential candidate um for Zimio is quickly gaining momentum um three and a half uh, three and a half years away from the general election so he, he's very um he's very calculative in terms of um calming political temperatures mm-hmm. even when he goes to the Kamba community uh, the last time during the before the 2020 um seven general election tw- 2022 22 yeah. general election yeah. he said hawa wakamba wakisema watakupea watakupea to because at the time the kamba community was disgruntled yeah. that uh, kalonzo was not um given the presidential candidate slot yeah. in azimio moja one kenya but be with that as it may odinga cannot be busy at his age um engaging in the recruitment exercise for uh, ODM party mm-hmm. while Kalonzo is holding meeting barazas or having meetings wherever he is and Odinga is busy um uh, traversing the country at his age at his age and at the tail end of it give the presidential um candidate slot to Musyoka Musyoka has to show that indeed he's the next candidate for Azimio Moja coalition mm-hmm. what are you bringing to the table why is um odinga traversing the country while wipa is still in meeting barazas trying to see how they will organize their party while odm is up and running because they know for them to be the party that will have the flag of the uh, presidential flag bearer they need to have the numbers that's what they're doing mm-hmm. so it's not about saying that this is our time but it's about what are you bringing to the table for it to be your turn for for this particular slot but is it possible that um <coughs> the former prime minister can actually back um kalonzo musyoka from my seat i know it's too early to um predict um mm-hmm. the national politics at this particular time mm-hmm. but i don't think that odinga will give the baton to um kalonzo musyoka and appear to be the kingmaker um in the 2027 general election mm-hmm. unless something happens between now and um 2027 i think odinga the way he's gearing himself up for in the recruitment exercise we've seen in in, in odm party he's preparing himself for the 2027 uh, presidential election i i think he he wouldn't want to give the power to 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 musyoka because it it will seem that his political career the power that he has held in his political career is now being handed over to to Musyoka to say that i have tried i have failed i think take it up and see 
uh, how far you c- you can come in this particular uh, presidential duel. So I, I don't see. I, I don't. I don't think so. There is something that they say about um, insanity. It's doing the same thing over and over again, and somehow expecting a different result. Mm-hmm. Maybe the former prime minister or his advisors have actually seen in w- if we keep going this same direction we will not get anywhere but my question then becomes what is the former prime minister's game plan then i think his game plan uh, presently he needs to remain relevant in all aspects because relevance will mean that he still continues to appear in front of his supporters he continues to carry the message that we are the alternative government and we're in a better position to do some of these things that the government is not really doing key among them is ensuring that we deliver we ensure we improve how life is bring the cost of living down and and i think this is one of the issues really even after the election the coalition which was which is led by Raila Odinga they were very vocal about and they went to the streets demanding that the regime led by president william ruto reduces the cost of living and this subsequently led to the formation of that committee which is due to table its report in parliament tomorrow when uh, members of the national assembly re, re, uh, convene from their recess. So I think relevance here is one of the key issues really that Raila Odinga needs to use to leverage on to ensure that he does not lose the relevance. He needs to be seen conspicuously with his supporters and carrying on that message that and pushing the government to deliver on some of the issues really they promised during the campaigns. Once he fails to do that, then I think Alonzo Musioka then perhaps will have the opportunity to to prove himself that he's what uh, the presidency in 2027. Because even you remember, after the 2022 election, Raila Odinga at some point disappeared. Mm-hmm. And we were made to believe Kalonzo Musioka now is the other voice of the opposition, is the new voice of the opposition. But I think after some counseling and uh, <laughs> some uh, reassurances from his, uh, his friends, Raila Odinga decided to come back to the to the limelight. Actually, that's what, that was one of his his New Year's resolution that he will not stay silent. He will be making a lot of noise. I, I think the reason why people think that maybe Raila Odinga should not vie in 2027 is all about perception mm-hmm. that he has tried uh, for five times now. He has failed. He should not even give it a stab for the sixth time. But politics sometimes is not about perception. Politics is about numbers, and that's where. Musioka fails because Musioka, even if you look at ODM, Azmiel Omoja coalition, looking into the numbers that um, ODM party has, uh, Wiper party has, DAP Kenya has, ODM party still carries the day. And that's where uh, uh, Raila Odinga gains the strength to, to pull that particular coalition. Even if you look at the meetings that um, um, Odinga has been having yeah. uh, prior to the 2022 um, general election. It has been widely attended by members of ODM party. When you look at Azimio, you will think it's an extension of ODM, yet ODM is a constituent party in Azimio Lomoja coalition. People should be holding the back of uh, Kalonzo Musioka, that is um, MPs in Wiper party, they, they do not really come out to to hold their political leader and to show that this is really our time. You'll only see a few MPs 
um, the likes of Robert Mbui, uh, the senator, the Kitui senator. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm forgetting the name there. Uh, mm-hmm. Coming up to sh- to say it is our time. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is your time, but. Politics is about numbers. What numbers are you bringing to the table? Because we might decide to give it to Kalonzo Musioka with the perso- perception that uh, Odinga has tried and failed only for us to fail terribly. And that's, I, I think that's why uh, President William Bruto told Odinga, please take a back seat. In 2027, I want to compete with Musioka because he knows early in the morning he will have you know the last time Musioka the door. You know the last time we had this conversation, you remember Irene saying Kalonzo lacks the stamina. Yeah. So the difference between Kalonzo Musioka and Raila Odinga is that there's that aspect of assertive persona which yeah. Raila Odinga has that Kalonzo Musioka does not really have as much as he keeps on trying to have it. So I think it will be up to him to decide really whether he wants it or he wants it to be given to him. Yeah. And that will involve him being vocal about him and chasing the numbers and convincing the electorate that he has what it takes to unseat President William Ruto in 2027. Because for, for President William Ruto even to, to win the 2022 general election, he started campaigning the moment um, Jubilee Party got into government for a second term. Immediately, four years before the general election, Deputy President then, William Ruto, was campaigning. But instead of Kalonzo to galvanize his wiper party, not even Azimio Lomoja coalition, his wiper party, mm-hmm. Kalonzo is busy saying, this is my time. Remember the last time I was crying about an MOU, we signed an MOU, you said you'll give me this particular... It's not It's not given, as, David has, as Davis has said, it is taken. So uh, for a contestant to vie against President William Ruto who will give it to him is a calculative politician, very smart uh, politician to the extent that he he won in 2022 general election against the perceived, perceived deep state. He needs a, a political candidate who is who can equally match. And so far in the political scene, the only man that can match with President William Ruto is Raila Odinga. Why it's not for age catching up with him? Okay, so one of the one of the characters that one of the um, personalities, sorry, one of the personalities that have come out to endorse um, uh, Raila Odinga's um, candidature, premature candidature in 2027, is David Murade, who's known to be a key ally of the former president Uhuru Kenyatta. So the question also comes in. Is there in 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 Azimio trying to find a, um, a candidate who will who will propel them to to power? Will the former president have um, a hand to play in it, and will he come out this time and really um, ma- uh, campaign? Let me put it like that. He, in terms of campaigning, I think he will not campaign for. Uh, a certain individual, but mm. he will campaign for the coalition, which is still, I believe, the chairperson of the coalition. So I think the former president's hand in the succession politics of the 2027 politics is still will be at play because really President William Ruto and the predecessor, who now is the former president, Uhuru Kenyatta, are still at loggerheads when it comes to so many issues. 
the former president warned the electorate that you should not elect President William Ruto because of these issues. And now these issues that he, he highlighted during the campaigns, it's actually the same issues that are coming out. And in terms of his involvement in the 2027 politics, because of the funding, because of the resources and the networking that he has, I think he will try as much as possible to use them to ensure that this time around, the Azimio candidate actually gets to win the presidency in 2027. Mm-hmm. I, I think the role that um, the former president um, Uhuru Kenyatta will play will be the financier, the same role he played um, in the 2022 general election. And in this particular case, whether Azimio will be split or will be will still be a one, one political coalition, he has shown, he has previously said that he will back Raila Odinga, even when Raila Odinga had not declared that, you know, he will buy in 2027. Um, quote, unquote, he said, I will follow Odinga to the end. So in this case, if maybe Odinga is uh, pro- um, propelled to the ballot, it means that maybe Kalonzo might be disgruntled and decide not to be part of a mere coalition. Mm-hmm. And warn to him, if he decides to um, leave the as a male or Moja coalition, because now the gap that will be there is having a financier to uh, propel his campaigns, in this case, uh, Kalonzo Musioka. And that's why there's a scenario that, that has been uh, put out there mm-hmm. that President William Ruto might decide to bankroll uh, Musioka's campaign in 2027 to ensure that the uh, opposition uh, political basket is split and in the end, he emerges as uh, as victorious in that particular election. So I, I see that. I saw that strategy. But can it backfire on, on the ruling party? In the sense that, okay, fine, you bankroll someone, and then it just doesn't play out in your favor. You end up maybe in a runoff, whereby the person you, 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 you bankrolled ends up supporting... The other group. In this case, um, um, I won't go with your with your with your suggestion of Kalonzo Musyoka being being funded. Maybe it's Raila Odinga who's being funded. So Raila Odinga doesn't uh, get a sufficient number of votes to to make it to the runoff. So it's it remains a Kalonzo versus um, a Kalonzo versus William Ruto runoff. Uh, it's it's a scenario depending if we'll have you know voter. Um apathy mm-hmm. across the country but let's go back to 2007 general election and the reason why Odinga has has um, had issues with Kalonzo which there are issues that don't really play out it's sad that Musioka made Raila lose even though the election w- w- were rigged out mm-hmm. uh, depending on how you like to put it uh, Musioka made Odinga lose or not have a clear victory in the 2007 general election because he decided to be the man who anapita katikatiao to, the, ex- the, yeah, to mm. the extent that now Odinga did not have a, a, a clear victory. There were issues of uh, um, rigging in that particular election and the, man, the margin that Kibaki won against um, Raila was really a small margin mm. and w- the votes that um, it was around over 200,000 votes and the votes that uh, Kalonzo got in that particular election were around 860,000 votes. Which could, which, have, which, which could, could have, have helped either side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, it's, it's not 
a good scenario, but it works on either side. If um, Ruto will bankroll Musioka for that election, it means that then the solid uh, voting bloc that Odinga has always enjoyed in the past re-election will not be the same scenario. Okay, um, so you've talked about in order for you to vie for any political seat, you have to remain relevant. You have to have a, a humongous war chest in terms of um, resources and funds. And you've also talked about you have to know how to grab power as opposed to wait for power. The one last thing that probably each of you has mentioned is the issue of age. And as we mentioned the issue of age, we go far afield, whereby we have another contest uh, shaping up in the in the US whereby we are seeing um, a possible rematch between President Joe, uh, Joe Biden and President Trump. Um, and one of the things that has popped up is the issue of is President Biden too old and to the extent that his memory was being questioned by a special counsel who was looking into some issues. Joe Biden, as it is, is uh, the oldest president in the U.S. history's election, seeking re-election. And I think his age and mental fitness is one of the things that will form the basis of the campaigns ahead of the November polls. And this is one thing that uh, the former president, Donald Trump, who is also the front-runner for the Republican ticket, is trying as much as possible to, to utilize on, to convince the voters that really... Biden is an old man who does not need to be re-elected back in the Oval Office because already we've seen some video campaigns which are circulating on social media mm. from the Trump team that uh, the Oval Office is an elderly home. So really it is going to be an interesting campaign going forward to the polls and I think uh, Biden will have to sustain his narrative that is fit mentally and physically to be re-elected and uh, drive the U.S. agenda as it should be. And it's coming at a time when the special counsel really has also raised concerns about his mental fitness. So Biden, I think, besides talking about other issues on how he can make America better, is also battling issues of convincing the electorate, the voters, that is mentally and physically fit. So I think it is going to be an uphill task for him. Mm -hmm. uh, being, uh, is it 81? Uh, he, he needs to be more convincing. He needs to look convincing. Mm -hmm. He needs to sound convincing that he is he's ready for the job because really this is going to be a close election. But already, according to some of the polls which are being done by various pollsters in the U.S., mm -hmm. it is showing that it's going to be a close election mm -hmm. because... Uh, Biden, uh, the former president, Donald Trump, is also facing issues, his own issues. He's facing 91 criminal offenses, uh, ranging from uh, fraud, uh, sexual cases. So I think even Donald Trump himself, he has a lot of, despite him being a populist leader, he has a lot of convincing to do that he has what it takes for him to be re-elected back to the Oval Office. So I think this is going to be one interesting election. But uh, we wait and see how things will pan out as mm -hmm. we as we look on how the two leaders conduct themselves mm -hmm. uh, going 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 forward to the polls. Irene, on the context of the Kenyan on the context of the Kenyan election, you raised the issue of one candidate is too old, mm -hmm. but is relevant, is well financed, 
and can and and should be given a chance in this context would you be what would actually be your argument in this regard where we are seeing a 77 year old taking on an 81 year old um i think this this is a unique situation in the us elections because um they put it out that the median age for a president's running for um election in united states is 58 mm-hmm. but now we're talking about 77 and 81 but it's no surprise that you know we are having the two candidates because they competed in the in the previous election and at the time age was catching up then so i think now the issue of age is not really a factor that will play out in this uh, particular election but i mean uh, like davis has said mm-hmm. pollsters whenever they go out one of the reasons that voters are raising is not are raising against uh, president biden is not that he's he he's not fit to run office it's just like he's too uh, old man yeah th- there's a question of there's a there's a question of he's too old for that particular you know for that particular contest because uh we had a scenario whereby he had a mishap there uh, when he was um calling out the president of uh, yeah, Egypt he, yeah, he, uh, and he mixed he, up, he, he called he he made ref- he said uh, president Sisi of Mexico instead of president Sisi uh, uh, of Egypt yeah yeah uh, and those are some of the signs that have showed that anyway maybe he's a little bit too old he's a, he's a one term president but the issue that is almost knocking Biden out of this particular contest is how he has handled the Israel Gaza war mm-hmm. to the extent that the young electorate in um in United States according to pollsters have felt that he has mismanaged um this particular issue mm-hmm. yet US is a leading is a, is a, is a, is a, is is a, is a leading nation in in some of these issues and there should have been a criteria of handling this particular war so the issue that has been raised on Biden mm. without looking into the age factor is how he has handled the Israel Gaza war that has spilled over to this particular time and there is no um light at the end of the tunnel or we're not seeing this thing coming to an end anytime soon so that is one of the issues that might cost him for that particular election age yes. age is is really an issue when you look at either Biden or Trump but because Trump does not even show that he's he, indeed 77 yeah. he he comes out as you know this young chap i want to be the tricks that he plays here and there but uh, be that as it may age will not be a critical factor to the extent that Biden might be edged out i think the israel gaza war and how he has handled the government will be some of the key issues that will have him go home one of the things sorry davis one of the things that uh, president biden keeps on propping up is how he has managed to change or to to lift the the us economy but the financial times um is showing um a poll that says that some of the voters uh, 11, some of the voters have given donald trump an 11 point polling lead over biden in as far as handling of the economy is concerned i mean your the one thing that you say you have done right is the one thing that people are saying we prefer the other guy i think during his tenure uh during his tenure donald trump many voters in uh, many many citizens in the us felt they had more money in their pockets when he was in power as compared to joe biden who really as much as possible is trying to convince the americans that he's done 
as much as he could to ensure the economy stabilizes he's still not getting the message out so i think that is the difference between him and trump because trump appears to fashion himself and the campaign as 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 the leader of the forgotten the leader of the wronged and i think during the campaigns going to the polls i think this is one of the issues that it will remind the voters in america that when i was in power you had more money in your pocket and this is in reference to the pollster which you've which you've highlighted yeah. so biden trump besides age he also has other problems of convincing the americans on how he has handled the economy during his tenure in power okay and as they say in the gen z world the next question just requires very very short short answers um in the context of for trump is it all is it done like has he already secured the the republican um ticket in the sense that um in the in the in the in the last um primary in nevada um his only contestant uh nick haley lost to an option which say which is almost the equivalent of none of the above i think trump is the clearest front runner in the republican ticket there is no other conversation about it so it will be donald trump versus joe biden come november okay and on that note i would like to say thank you very much for listening to us um as davis has called it it's going to be trump uh, it's going to be trump um come november 5th who's being declared as uh, the us president so if you believe davis maybe you biden will be buying uh-huh. and, trump. and trump oh you didn't call it for trump no no, no. no. oh okay still sorry still <laughs> days <laughs> i misspoke <laughs> so anyway thank you for listening to us and we will see we will will hook up again next week on monday it is now 7:30 davis will be back with the news